Well, praise God. Well, this morning I've entitled the message, Cast Your Cares on Him, Living Without Fear and Anxiety. Who here has ever been afraid? Who here would like to not be afraid? I know I would not like to be afraid. And the truth is that that all those feelings of fear and anxiety or worriness, you know, anxiety is, is that, that feeling of uneasiness, that inner turmoil you feel, fear when you're basic, you feel, starting off bad, when you're basically afraid of something, you're, you're unsure of what's going to happen, you don't know what's coming up, so you get that, you're anxious about it, that inner turmoil, that worry, that fear, and that's what anxiety is, and, and the truth is that that's, that's not something for believers to be dealing with inside of their lives. The Bible says, as we're going to go ahead and see, is that we're supposed to cast our cares on Him, cast our anxieties and fears on Him, and He'll take them for us and give us instead a a spirit of peace or an attitude of peace. You know, when I look at my life, there's been times when I've had to really get my emotions in check. There's been times when I was expecting my wife home at a certain time. I know she gets off work, and, and something will come up. She'll have to work late, and she's stuck in a case, and she can't call me. Or maybe there have been times when I was expecting my kids home and they haven't come home yet. And after, you know, if they're a little bit late, you're like, okay, they're going to get it when they get home. You know, the kids are going to get it, but, but uh, it's okay. But then after an hour or two hours passed, then you start to get worried. You start to get afraid for them. Or I know there's been times when my wife's worked late and she's been in the case. She hasn't been able to get to a phone. And, you know, after about three or four hours, I'm going, all right, should I start checking the... Uh, the, the news pages, was there an accident? Was there, you know, and all these, the worst things that you can think of start to run through your head. Is she hurt? Did something happen? Are my kids hurt? Did something happen? And I have to, to quickly get those thoughts in check. Because the enemy wants us thinking stuff like that. He wants us to be anxious. He wants us to be afraid. And your mind will quickly go to the worst if you let it. But we have to get our emotions in check. We have to, to take every thought captive in our life. And the truth is that fear and anxiety can, can range the, the gamut of different emotions. You know, there's the, the small fears uh, in your life where, like, you know, what's, what's going to happen at work? Or you, these little worried things you go through, To Some people have phobias that, that basically uh, make them immobile, that completely freeze them, locks them in their houses. They have phobos that, that just completely just phobias. <laughs> They have phobias that completely... Yeah, this is not going to be a good day. I can already tell words are just jumbling in my head already. They have phobias that just (laughs) debilitate them. They make them stop up. And truthfully, is debilitate not the word I'm looking for? Debilitate? Debilitate? All right. (laughs) Praise God. You guys are going to have to bear with me today. looks like it's going to be one of those days. But... (laughs) So I'm really not going to be focusing on, on phobias per se today. I want to deal with our normal, everyday fears that we deal with in, in life, everyday worry, everyday anxiety. But the truth is, the answer to any type of fear, from our everyday worries all the way to phobias, is the Word of God. The answer is the same, always. But some, the reason why I want to deal with this is because not only should we be free from this stuff because of what Christ has accomplished in us and because we have a God we can trust, but did you know that chronic worrying will actually affect you physically? Chronic worrying in your daily life, that it can interfere with your appetite. It can interfere with lifestyle habits, your relationships with sleep, and it can interfere with your job performance. 
it can cause you to overeat, makes people begin to pick up smoking or smoke more. I mean, it just, they start using alcohol and drugs. People try to do all kinds of crazy things to cope with anxiety and fear and worry in their lives. And I want you to know that as Christians, you don't have to turn to anything else but God to ease your fears. And then I've also had people tell me that, you know, oh no, this worrying is normal because I'm a realist. They say I'm a realist and I, and I don't want to put too much trust in God because I'm a realist. And they stress. Their faith is little and their trust is unseen and it drives them crazy. I once had a guy at work telling me, because he, he knows I'm a Christian, he knows I'm a pastor, and he knows all these things, and, and he tells me, he says, you know what, I once knew this lady who had just complete and utter, she, utter blind faith in God. You know, she trusted him for everything. She never had a worry because she always trusted God. She's like, he goes, she was even worse than you. <laughs> so, and, I, and I told him, I said, yeah, you have no idea what I'm willing to trust God for. He's going to come live my life for a while and you'll see some trust. But nonetheless, he says, you know, sometimes I wish that I could have that attitude that she has. He's like, I think she's crazy for doing it. But he says, I wish that I had that sense of peace, that sense of, that sense of, uh, of, of just being content with where I'm at. I, he says, I wish I had that. You know, the, the only way that you can have that is if you put your trust in the Lord. Because there's peace in trusting in God for everything. When you know that God is for you in all things, then there's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to, to worry, am I going to have a job tomorrow? There's no reason to worry, am I going to have food on the table? There's no reason to worry about anything because God is in control. And, and if you let Him operate in your life, He takes control in your life and He will take care of you like a good father should. There's no reason to be afraid because he's our rock and he's our solid foundation on which we stand. There was a guy who got a speeding ticket and had to go to traffic school. And in the defensive driving part, they created a scenario that says, you've stopped at a stop sign, you look in your rearview mirror and you see a, see a car careening towards you and you realize it's going to rear-end you. What should you do? So I ask you that question. What should you do if you have a car crazy going at you, you're going to hit you and the, the rear end you, what should you do? You're parked. You're stopped at a stop sign. There's no moving out the way. Should you let off the brake or hold on to the brake? Off the brake. That's what most people answer. It's actually the totally wrong answer. He says that we all think that if you let off the brake, that the car is going to absorb it, some of that impact and go with it, and you're going to be less damaged. But he says that you should put your brake on as tight as you can and brace yourself for that collision. Because if the car is rigid and braced, if it's on a foundation, then what that, when that horizontal pressure hits, there'll be less damage to your car and to the occupants. If your car is not braked, you get the whiplash effect. And the same is true in our Christian life. When we have our brakes on in the foundation of God, when we have ourselves braced in His foundation, no matter what comes at you, if your trust is in Him, you're on a solid foundation, then you're not going to get whiplash. You're not going to get pushed around. You're going to take a whole lot less damage because He is with you. But if you're not solid in that foundation, then you're going to get your neck broken. So let's go ahead and start looking at the, the scriptures that begin to speak about fear in the, the life of a Christian. First, I want you to know that there's actually a real danger in not trusting God. It's not the, 
it can actually affect your life when we, when we let the cares and the worries of this world take control of us instead of trusting in God. In Matthew 13, 20 through 22, it says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now you guys will remember this is when Jesus was telling the parable of the, the, of the sower. And he likened the seed to the word of God in people's lives. And you remember that the, uh, the, the first one was who had the seed put on the ground and the birds came and stole it away was like the one who heard the word but he didn't understand it. He ignored it and it was stolen away by the enemy. And the next guy, it was the, the word that was sown on rocky ground. It took no root in his life. There was no trust. And, and the first time a problem arose, the word was immediately stolen away from him. And then the next one was, was a person who had their, their, the word sown among distractions in our world. They were constantly concerned and worried about what's going on, what could happen. Their trust was placed elsewhere, but in God. And when that happened, the word was stolen away from them as well. See, being overly concerned for this world will rob you. It'll steal the peace from your heart. It'll steal the joy from your heart. When we place our trust in other things, or when we're looking at other things, instead of placing our trust in God, you know, you can have your joy stolen away. You can have your peace stolen away, and you begin to stress and worry and be anxious. The trials of this world will do the same when you're going through a tough time. And how many know that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're never going to go through tough times? You will. One of the greatest disservices we can do is when we have somebody who gets saved and tell them that from now on out, from here on out, it's good, life is going to be perfect. You'll never have a, a care in the world because that's just not the case. You will have trials. You will have tribulations. But when they come, where we put our trust makes all the difference. You see, placing our focus on these things that aren't God removes our focus from God and we start to place our our faith in our job instead of on the one who provides for us we start to put our place our faith in doctors instead of in the one who heals us we start putting our faith in others instead of the one who created us and knows us better than anyone else and many people begin to look to inanimate objects for luck or success instead of their heavenly father who loves them Lieutenant George Dixon was a, Dixon was a general, well-respected man in the Confederate Army. In the early days of the war, his fiancée gave him a $20 gold piece. And during the Battle of Shiloh, a Union mini-ball struck him. Actually, it struck that gold coin, which saved his life. The coin, soundly dented, was to remain with him wherever he went. It became his good luck piece, and he would often be seen kneading the coin in his hand. And where did Lieutenant Dixon take the coin? Under the CSS Hunley, the Confederate submarine he staunchly believed could break the Union blockade. After sinking the USS Housatonic, the Hunley herself sank, taking Lieutenant Dixon and his crew to their deaths. Ultimately, his good luck piece could not save him. Recently, the coin was found when the submarine was raised. You see, many people put their, their faith in things that can never save them. 
And we can all go, oh, but I would never put my faith in a coin. That's just silly. Or I would never put my faith in a, in a lucky rabbit's foot. That's just crazy. I mean, those, I mean, seriously, I got more brains than that. But the truth is we put faith in stuff like that all the time. We put faith in our employer. We think that our well-being is based on our employer. And if our employer goes under or if something, or if we lose our job, whatever are we going to do? Or we, we place faith in our retirements and the money that we have saved up. And if that disappears, what are we going to do? Or we put faith in the government to take care of us. And if the government falls, what are we going to do? We all put our faith somewhere. The question is, where are we putting ours? Is it in God? Or are we putting it on those things around us? And the truth is that fear and stress and worry and anxiety, they're going to have a negative effect not only on your physical life, but as we've seen, it'll have a, a negative effect on your spiritual life as well by placing your trust in the wrong thing. In Luke 10, 38-42, we begin to see that all these things in the world are actually just distractions. They're designed to pull us away from God to put our focus elsewhere. In Luke 10, 38-42, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do, not care, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha is being distracted. She's worried. She's, she's the host of this party where, where Jesus and his disciples are coming to eat. And she's got to take care of all the food. She's taking care of all the stuff. And she wants to make sure it's perfect. And it says right here that, that she is distracted with much serving. She's worried, are the people going to be happy with what we're doing? Am I doing enough, a good enough job? These seem like little just, just normal fears and worries that we have in our everyday life, right? And she's dealing with that. And these are the kind of things that make us anxious. They make us fear. They make us worry. They're distractions in our life. In this case, we find that she was, instead of spending time in the right place at the feet of Jesus, she was distracted by all these things. Now, how many of you know that she wasn't doing a bad thing? She was doing a good thing. She was serving the Lord. But there was something going on. Because we'll find out, if you read the, the scripture later, this isn't the only time she serves Jesus. She's there with him. And she does it without complaint from here on out. Because she has a different attitude about it. She's not letting these things stress her out, worry her. She's keeping her focus on Jesus while still doing all these things. But she becomes distracted by these, these things that are making her anxious and worry. And when we try to focus and worry on everything at once, we become overwhelmed, much like she did. She's overwhelmed. She's like, Jesus, what's going on? And in today's world, it's so, so common in our lives. In a day when so many things and people vie for our attention, we can experience a paralysis of personal energy. John Maxwell said that. You ever been overwhelmed by life so much that you almost, you don't even know what to do next. You become paralyzed. You're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I know what's happened to me. You become worried about so many different things. You ever seen when uh, the lion trainers and, and, and uh, 
zoos or not so much zoos but like circuses or the shows on the Vegas Strip you see them training lions you ever notice that they always walk in they walk in with a pistol and they have a whip but you ever notice they walk in with a stool they always carry a stool and no no lion trainer would actually ever go into the cage without a stool and it seems like particularly when you got a, a pistol on your side it's, the stool seems like it's not going to do much for you but the reason that they that they use those stools is because when you stick a, a four-leg stool in the face of a lion, it doesn't know which leg to focus on. And it, it suffers kind of a, a, a decision paralysis. It doesn't know what to deal with, and it actually will calm them down because they don't know what to do. And the same thing happens in our lives when we're hit by so many things from every different direction. You, you come into a paralysis, and you're worried about everything, and how can I do all these things? And I'll tell you what, single mothers can tell me, know what I'm talking about they got that I know I've, I've seen my wife when we first got married there were many times where she just wanted to be done sometimes that happens when we're together taking care of our kids <laughs> but those things make you anxious they make you afraid they make you worry and oftentimes when we get into these situations our first response is just like Martha's. Instead of recognizing that this stuff's already been taken care of, if we'll put our trust in the Lord, we can have peace. We begin to say, Jesus, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you, don't you understand what's going on in my life? I've got all these things that I'm worried about. Don't you even see? Anybody ever responded like that? I know I have. But then, much like Jesus responds to Martha, God responds to me. And it's like, don't you know this is already dealt with? In this case, she says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled by many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion. I find it interesting that he uses the word chosen because what that tells me is that, that uh, Mary had the same opportunities as Martha. She had the same opportunity to be distracted with all that serving. Let's face it, in that day and age, the women did the serving. It wasn't very common to find a lady sitting at the, the feet of, of, of somebody being discipled. They did the serving. They took care of the house. And Mary had the same choice to be distracted and worry about these things. But instead, instead it says that she took the good portion. And he says, that will not be taken away from her. We can make those same choices in our life. We can choose the good portion. We can put our focus on Jesus, and it will never be taken away from us. You see that no matter how bad everything is going, no matter how everything is going, how bad it seems, Jesus and his love will never be taken away from you. You can't be separated from it. And that in itself should give you great peace. In Romans 8.38 it says, Paul says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us. In Matthew 6.25-27 it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat? What will you drink? Nor about your body. What will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Do not be anxious about your life. That's pretty inclusive. He doesn't say just, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat. He doesn't just say, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about your don't be anxious about your relationships. Don't be anxious about your job. Don't be anxious about your government. He doesn't say any specific things. He says, don't be anxious about your life. How many know that that includes everything? Don't be anxious. And it's not, that's not a good suggestion. That's a command. Don't be anxious. Now what this doesn't mean is don't, it doesn't mean to be lazy or act unwise. If you're thinking, man, this is great. God's going to take care of me. This means I don't have to go to work anymore. This means I don't have to clean the house anymore. This means I don't have to do anything because God's going to take care of me. How many of you, you're getting it wrong? You're not understanding what he's trying to say to you. Matter of fact, Paul said, if they don't work, they don't eat. But as we live our lives in a godly fashion, as we work, as we rest, as we relate with others, don't be anxious. Trust God in all that you do. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them and are not, are you not of more value than they? You know, the birds of the air, they're not created in God's image, but you are. In God's eyes, they're very far below us. In Genesis 1.26, we find that we're actually to take dominion over the creatures of this, of this earth. It says in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every other creeping thing that creeps on earth. We recognize that we are definitely in a higher position. We are held more valuable. We are held in a higher authority and a, th- a, higher, <laughs> a higher position than these birds. Yet they're always taken care of. He says, look, you see them. They're nowhere near as valuable as you are, but they always have something to eat. They don't work. They don't toil. They don't gather. They don't do anything, but your heavenly Father feeds them. If that's the case, why are we so concerned about those things in our life? God will take care of you. Put your trust in Him. How many know that if anybody got dogs or cats or anything? I know some of you do. You guys all got dogs and cats? You love your dog or cat, right? (laughs) Kind of. Let me ask you this. If your child... If your child was starving and your dog was starving, which one are you going to take care of first? Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> our, our Heavenly Father is no different. If He takes care of, He takes care of even the birds, you've got to know He's going to take care of you. You're a much higher priority to Him than any of these things. And then He goes on to say, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? 
the truth is that even if you're going through these things, being anxious is not going to change a thing. It will not make one iota of difference in your life by being worried. It's a pointless exercise. Worry and fear is always a pointless exercise. But it says that, and he points out, who are you going to, what's, what's the difference it's going to make? Are you going ha- to live longer because you're worried about it? The truth is that even if God wasn't going to step in and make sure you're taken care of, if any of those things weren't true, worrying about it's still not going to change a thing. Not at all. I remember when I, I first started preaching, I used to get real nervous about getting up in front of the crowd, especially the first few times, you know, and you start getting worried, what, gonna, what am I going to mess up, what if I, I mess up my word, which apparently I do all the time, so that's not a, a big deal, <laughs> I got used to it, <laughs> you know, what if, what if I say the wrong thing, you know, you get nervous and all these thoughts start going through your head and, and everything inside of me was screaming. And then I, I just began to think, you know what, what's, what's for it? I would always tell myself, there's nothing for it. It doesn't matter if I'm nervous or scared or worried and sweating bullets, I still got to go up there and speak. Or I can choose to be calm, realize there's nothing I can do, and I still have to go up there and speak. There's nothing that I could do. No amount of worrying was going to make me preach. Matter of fact, it would actually probably make me preach a whole lot worse if I was going up there stressed out. Worrying doesn't change anything in your life. In Matthew 6, 28-30, the story continues. He says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He starts with, don't be anxious about anything in your life. Food, not a problem. Clothing, now we're going to deal with clothing. Look, even the grass of the field, the lilies of the field, these little flowers that grow in the field, he said they're more beautiful than even Solomon in all his glory. Solomon was probably the richest king that we ever read about in, in, the, in the, uh, the book of Kings and, and Chronicles. Because David had amassed all of this wealth to build the temple, and Solomon was in charge of that. And then on top of that, Solomon had asked for wisdom from God, and he did incredibly wise things with the neighboring countries, with his people. He was rich, filthy rich. And he could have made some nice clothes. But it says that even Solomon, in all his glory, wasn't clothed as beautiful as these flowers, these lilies in the field. And if they are clothed, that they're taken care of, how much more so is, is God going to take care of you? Matter of fact, flowers are basically, what he's getting at is, is, is they're, they're alive today and they're thrown in the, flyer, in the fire. Matter of fact, flowers are pretty much only good to look at. You can't eat flowers. <laughs> I would bring up, I think we've already talked about, no one's seen it, the, uh, A Knight's Tale. <laughs> you start talking about it. Never mind. I think I talk, found out later nobody's seen it. I need you guys to see this movie so I can use references from it because it's a great movie. And it has some good references. Yep, it's on your guys' agenda. Night's Tale. Get it watched. My, my illustrations will be much more effective. <laughs> but anyway, flowers, they're, 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 they can't feed you. They don't take care of you. You can't clothe yourself. They're basically good for nothing but to look at. 
And when you're done with them, I mean, like have you ever, you bought a thing of roses for your wife and they're pretty and she loves them and they get thrown away two days later. And he says that if, if something like that, which is just thrown in the fire a few days later, is taken care of by God, how much more so will you be <laughs> taken care of? What was that? <laughs> hmm. And then he goes on to say that when we feel this way, when we're anxious about these things, it says, O oh, you of little faith. When we are anxious, when we are worried about what's going you know, are we going to have enough? We're actually demonstrating a lack of faith. We're demonstrating unbelief. Anybody ever heard the acronym for fear, which is false evidence appearing real? Fear is false evidence appearing real. And it begins to, to, we begin to focus on it and become afraid. And, and then we're demonstrating a lack of faith. And while I was looking for that acronym, I found this other one that I thought was good too, is faith. The acronym for faith is fearing in this house. Because <laughs> when you live in faith, you have no fear. Why would you be afraid of, of not having something when you trust, if you're trusting God who provides everything for you? They actually can't coexist. If you're trusting God, you won't be afraid. And if you're afraid, by, by definition, you're not trusting God. So continue on in this story. It says in Matthew 6, 31-34, Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Therefore, don't be anxious. Could you imagine that if your children were always coming up to you and expressing their fear that they won't have enough to eat or they won't have a place to live tomorrow? Could you imagine if your child come up to you and, and your whole life you've always taken care of them. They've always had a bed to sleep and they've always had food and they've always had clothing, but could you imagine if every, every day they come up to you in terror, they're afraid that tomorrow they wouldn't have any of these things. And the first few times you would comfort them and you'd say, no, it's going to be all right, baby. We, we got everything taken care of. We got a job. We got a house. We got everything. It's going to be okay. But how many know after a little while, you're going to start to be hurt? Could you, like, you wouldn't understand. Why, why do you not think that I can take care of you? I've always taken care of you. We've always had a place. There's no reason for you not to trust that we're going to be taken care of. But eventually, I think it would start to hurt if that was the attitude your children expressed to you. And I think the same thing is for God. I, I imagine that's got to be frustrating and hurtful when we come to Him like that. And, and thank God, He's got a whole lot more grace than any of us will ever express. He has a whole lot more patience any of us will ever be, able to, ever be able to express. But I often think, I mean, if that's how I would feel in the situation, man, we're on top of that stuff way worse than our kids would ever be. But this is what we're doing when, we, when we're afraid of what's going to happen in our life and we're not putting our trust in God. But he goes on to say, the great news in all of this, it says, don't worry about this. Because if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. 
you know, if we'll put our faith in God and we'll put His kingdom first, it'll be added to us. It says right here that if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we find out that seeking His righteousness is just the simple fact of getting saved, accepting that free gift. When we seek that, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Seek Jesus, and you're seeking His righteousness. Seek first His kingdom. That means put God first, and His kingdom first, and all this stuff will be added to you. In Psalms 34.4, the psalmist wrote this, I sought the Lord, He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. If we will seek God, He'll deliver us from all this stuff. We don't have to worry if we'll trust in Him. And like I said a few moments ago, that doesn't mean quit your job and just wait for God to come and and give you a handout. But in your living, in your working, if you'll trust God instead of all the things that we want to trust instead, He'll make sure that you're taken care of. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. I know that the fear that you're feeling is not from God. God has not given you a spirit or an attitude of fear. And worry, anxiety, all of those things are a result of fear. Because we're afraid of, of something. I've once heard it said that all fear, that all anxiety, all worrying is bases from a, a root fear of death. And all fear stems from that because ultimately if you boil it down, when we're worried about not having clothing to wear, it's because we're, we're afraid that we won't be sheltered from the elements and eventually that could kill us. When we're afraid of not having food, that means that we're eventually worried about being starving to death. All fear stems from a fear of death. But fear is not from God because He has given us life. These emotions that we feel, worry, anxiety, they're never from God. And the Bible says that He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. A spirit of love in 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And then He talks about having a spirit of, of self-control or a sound mind. And in and, and the Greek, this, this spirit of is not talking about like an evil spirit or anything like that. It's, it's basically just saying, another word for saying a, an attitude of. God has not given us an attitude of fear, you could say, but He's given us an attitude of power, of love and self-control. The spirit of self-control or a sound mind is, is that we actually have the ability to control whether we live in fear or not. We can place our focus back on Him, or we can place our focus back on what we're afraid of. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. When you have thoughts of fear and worry, take them captive and give them to God. And then in Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that's the kind of peace where people look at you and they're like, I see what you're going through. How can you be calm? How can you be collected? How I don't understand why you can be the way that you are. And you can say it's but God. And it doesn't make sense. I mean, the outside world can look at your life and things are falling around and they're, 
how can you have peace? As a matter of fact, like that co-worker I told you about, he said he knew a woman like that and he recognized that, man, I wish I had that. You see, the result of these three things, having an attitude of, of power, an attitude of love, and an attitude of self-control or sound mind, as it is in other uh, translations. Other translations say it's, it's a sound discipline. The result of these three, three things is the, the banishment of fear. Because when you recognize that you have the power of God on your side, things that seemed so powerful, seem, things that seemed so strong that they could take control and ruin your life, you recognize that they're nothing compared to the power of God. With love, we find that fear is cast out. And with a sound mind or a disciplined mind, we recognize that we can take these thoughts, these emotions captive and not let them rule and reign in our lives. And then in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7, Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. If we recognize that our, our fear is, is not from God, then what do we do when it comes? Because there's a lot of this where we look through the Word and we read the stuff and we begin to have an intellectual knowledge that, okay, fear is not from God, it's not for me, I can trust Him. But the truth is that we have to grab hold of this by faith and we have to do something about it. So we recognize that fear is not from God, then what do we do when, we, when it comes? We give it to Him. When the fear of, of losing your job is coming up, you say, you know what, God, it looks like that there's going to be some layoffs coming up here pretty soon, but I choose not to fear. I choose to trust you because you'll either make sure that I don't get laid off or if I do get laid off, Father, I know that there'll be a job coming for me. And we put our trust in Him. How many know when you can have that attitude, fear of a layoff just doesn't mean anything? If we humble ourselves and exalt God, at the proper time that he's going to exalt us too. God will lift you up and take care of you. And to humble yourself is just to recognize your dependence on him. When we say, you know what, God, I'm not leaving this up to my own devices because I can't do it on my own, but with you I can do anything. You see, God loves you and he cares for you and he wants to ease your burden. So when we come up against tough times, we just need to remind ourselves of these scriptures. These are scriptures that are good to, to have written down to remind ourselves when we go, you know, something's coming up. Oh, I know the scripture says here to cast my cares on Him, cast my anxieties on Him. In Psalms 55.22 it says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And I, while I was reading the scripture, I had this picture in my mind of, of two armies coming at each other. And the defending army, their goal is to stand their ground. And the offending army, their goal is to push them back. And the vision that I had in my head, this picture that I had in my head, is that the righteous are this defending army, and they're standing their ground, and they're saying, I will not be moved. And if we will cast our cares to the Lord, if we'll give these things to the Lord, it says that He will sustain us. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. The enemy is not going to be able to push you back or push you down if you will put your trust in God. Does that mean that you're not going to get attacked? No. We're talking about this, this picture in my head. The, the army is still coming. The army is still attacking. But it does mean that you'll be able to stand. Stand. 
In Isaiah 12, 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. In Psalm 56, 3-4, it says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in You. And God, whose word I praise, and God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And in Psalm 118, 6, it says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do for me? You're starting to notice a pattern in these, these scriptures. He says that, God is my salvation, and I will trust in Him. And what? I will not be afraid. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in God, and God whose word I praise, and God I trust, and then I shall not be afraid. And the Lord is on my side, so I will not fear. You know, if we'll trust in the, in the Lord, then we have no reason to be afraid. You see that we have a God who is a trustworthy God. Now, I'll admit, if we didn't have a trustworthy God, putting your trust in Him wouldn't do a thing. Putting your trust in something that, that can't answer, that can't take care of things, is foolish. Which is why when we put our trust in the things of this world, they will eventually all fail us. People will fail you. Your job will fail you. The government will fail you. God will never fail you. He is a trustworthy God. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When God speaks, it comes to pass. And the Bible says that He's going to take care of you. He's going to clothe you. He says that I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for your prosperity and not for your calamity. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, for a hope and for a future. In Jeremiah 1.12 it says, And the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. We also see that God has a proven track record. In Psalm 37.25-26, David said this, He said, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. He says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. They're always taken care of. And not only that, if you look at the... See, I think when we, we read this verse, we've all heard that part, right? I've never seen the, the righteous forsaken and his children begging for bread. We've all heard that. The next verse said, He is lending, ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. You see, if you keep on reading, we find that not only are they taken care of, but they are blessed. He says that they're ever lending generously. If you're a man who's lending generously, that means you've got some, some money to spare. You've got some stuff to spare. And then it says even his children are a blessing to those around him. The key things that we see in these scriptures is to trust God and do not fear. He is trustworthy. He has a proven track record. But the opposite is also true. You will fear if you don't trust God. We see time again, I shall not be afraid what can flesh do to me, what can man do to me. I want you to know that if God is for you, nothing can be against you. In Philippians 4, 4-7, through 7, <clears throat> it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
in every situation you're going through, rejoice in the Lord always. doesn't mean rejoice for your situation. That would just be silly. If you're going through a hard time, don't rejoice that you're going through a hard time. But rejoice in the Lord, knowing that He's going to bring you through it. You know, fear has a hard time sticking around when you're rejoicing, when you're worshiping God. I bet you've noticed that when you've, you've been spending the mornings in, in worship, when we, we stand together and we worship corporately, if you're focused on worshiping God, I bet you'll notice that all those things that, that were bothering you before you came in, they just seem to disappear during that time. Because your focus is on the one who can take care of them all. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And I thought that was an interesting statement. Because to Christians, it's reasonable to put your trust in the Lord. That makes sense to us. But to non-believers, that doesn't seem reasonable at all. They think you're crazy. It even says that the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I want you to know that trust in God is a reasonable thing to do. People say, I can't believe you have blind faith. I don't have blind faith. I have evidence for what I'm believing, and I've seen him work in my life. I agree with you, blind faith is stupid. But trust in the Lord is not blind faith. I can give you a laundry list of things that I put my trust in God and how it's worked out, how God has saved my marriage, how God has saved my finances, how God has saved my relationship with my kids, how God has saved so many things. That's not blind faith. That's a proven track record in my life, and I'm going to continue trusting in him. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, the one thing I want to make sure that nobody is getting out of this is that we're ignoring our situations. We're not going to just stop doing everything and, and just hope that God falls in our lap. Living without fear does not mean you ignore what's going on. If you're sick, it's okay to go see a doctor. Just make sure your trust is in God and not solely in those physicians. We're not to ignore our situations. It's not an a ignore it and it'll go away situation. I know there's many things in our lives we try that, that method and I don't think it ever works. Ignore it, it'll go away. It's always there waiting. But we're just not, we're just, it's not that we're to ignore our situations, but we're just not to allow them to, to cause us fear or hopelessness or anxiety in our lives. But go to God. It says, go to God in prayer and supplication, but with thanksgiving. And let your request be known to God. If there's a problem, talk to God about it. But do it with an attitude of thanksgiving. It looks something like this. If you're struggling with, you don't have a job, you're looking for a job, it would look something like this. Father, I thank you that you'll never leave me or forsake me. That's going with thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you have work out there for me, that you are going to take care of me. Father, I thank you that your word says that, that I don't have to worry about clothing or shelter, but your word says that you will provide for me. Father, I thank you that you have a plan for my life. Those are the kind of prayers we're talking about. We're not talking about begging or, or pleading. Oh, oh God, if you'll just let me get this job, then I'll serve you for the rest of my days. God, if you'll just take care of me in this, if you'll just do this. Anybody ever pleaded with God? I used to plead with God. It's not effective. You're never going to talk God into doing something. 
God's never going to heaven like, God, if you, if you would just, if you would just uh, give me this job, then I'm going to serve you for the rest of this year. Well, that seems like a pretty good deal, but I'll tell you what. You promise to serve me for two and a half years, then I'll make sure you get this job. It doesn't work like that. God loves you. He wants to provide for you. He just wants you to trust Him. Faith. The basis of faith is just trust. It's, it's that simple, to trust God. And we find that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will come to those who put their trust in God. Next, I want you to know that if people are struggling or going through stuff and they're anxious or worried about stuff, we need to encourage one another in these situations as too. We can be a great influence and help in each other's lives. In Daniel 10.19, it says, And he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. In this particular case, it's an angel talking to Daniel. He's going through some rough times, and he's, he's greatly distressed. And the angel says to him, O man, greatly loved, fear not. You were loved by God. You have no reason to fear. He says, Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, Daniel says, I was strengthened. And it said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. An encouraging word can make a huge difference in your life. And I want you to know that if you'll speak into other people's lives, if you will encourage them, that your word will have every every bit as much power as this angel speaking to Daniel. But I'm not an angel. What do you mean? Well, let's, let's look in Proverbs 12.25. It says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. You can bring a good word to somebody who's struggling, who's having a hard time. Just remind them of the scriptures we looked at today. Cast your cares on God because He cares for you. He will take care of you. Remind them that, that God is a good God and He loves them and He wants the best for them, just like any loving father would, except for... Our idea of a good father is so much sur- surpassed by God because he, he's so far out classes what we can imagine. The best father we can imagine is nothing compared to God and what he will do for you. Remind them that even though people and circumstances and things may fail them, God never will. Encourage one another. Lift them up. And we'll finish here on Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 6-8 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. Who is like me? Let Him proclaim it. Let Him declare and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. When He says it twice, that means don't do it. Fear not, don't be afraid. Have I not told you from of, of old and declared it? And you are my witness. Is there a God beside me? There is no rock I know of, not any. There's no one like God. There's nothing out there that even comes close to God. He is our rock. He is our shelter. He is our Lord. He's our King. He's our Father. He's our Redeemer. And He's our friend. And our trust is placed in Him. He's the first and the last. There is no rock other than Him, and our trust is well placed in Him. He says to us, fear not, do not be afraid. And He's not saying it because, you know, it's just a good idea to keep your spirits up. It'll be better for you. But He's saying it because 
I am who I am. I will take care of you. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a command with a promise behind it. Fear not, because I am with you. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and let's choose not to fear. Let's take every thought captive. Let's place our trust in God and recognize that He loves us. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning.